This is the Blood Doctor Show on a Saturday night. A badass, wonderful, fantastic fucking Saturday night. That's right. The best Saturday night. Yes. This is my favorite Saturday night in forever. So it's the best Saturday night in 2021? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah, because the Super Bowl was a Sunday. So, I mean, yeah. if we win the finals on a Sunday night, then we'll have to talk about what Sunday night was the best Sunday night. But this is the best Saturday night. Exactly. Because... Why? Because you tell them. Well, because the Suns fucking held the Clippers to 80 points. Oh my God, 80 fucking points. There are fireworks going off in the background right <laughs> yeah. now because someone is so goddamn excited about the Suns taking a 3-1 lead yeah. in the Western Conference. I'm not even kidding. There's legit fireworks going on right now. And sure, we might be getting close to 4th of July and you might be saying that's what it's really about, but I don't give a shit because I believe that it is about the Suns taking a 3-1 lead. And 80 points, man. It's unbelievable. Did you, like, I didn't think that coming into this game, we're holding them to 80 points. No, 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 of course. I thought it would be 100. Each team would score over 100. Like, easily. if you, if I told you before this game, we're going to score 84, you're like, oh, we lost. Oh, fuck, yeah. You when know? they score 100, we, we got blown out. Yeah. And truthfully, if I told you we scored 84 after scoring 50 in the first half, you'd be like, oh, we lost. Wow. You know? Yeah, we just gave up the, the lead and, yeah. We can, we, yeah, we fell apart like because we didn't. But man, I, like the defense was just this. I mean, I mean the first quarter was the first quarter was just kind of basketball. It wasn't really super ugly. People were hitting shots. Booker scored a few points. Um, the refs were letting him play a little bit, but it wasn't like ugly yet. No, you know the first quarter was just kind of regular. Yeah, we led by like. Eight or nine, what was it? Twenty nine, twenty at the end of the first, I think. But um, the f- the first quarter didn't look like. I mean, I I don't know. It wasn't crazy in any way. No one was you know taken off. No one was hitting every shot. It's probably the most notable thing from the first quarter is that every single one of the Suns starting five scored to start the game. Yeah, that was probably the you know the most notable thing. But otherwise, it wasn't. It wasn't anything like the rest of the game. No. No, I mean. We were really cooking in the first quarter. Yeah. If, if if the rest of the game was like the first quarter, we would have whooped their ass. That's true. Because we could actually make shots in the first quarter. Yeah. And I mean, now I guess in their defense, if they played, if every quarter they played like was like the third quarter, then they, you know, would have, but whatever. Um, but yeah, the first quarter was just, you know, everything was, you know, Booker had a couple of buckets. I think Paul was only one for four in the first quarter. Aiton had a couple of points. You know, Mikhail was in. Everything was kind of working. The offense was back. In the first quarter, like it looked, the offense looked like game one, or like it looked like the Nugget series almost. Like we were, everything was humming. Yeah, like, doesn't it even feel that way. Like it did, and as a result, our defense, you know, excelled as well. Yeah, both really both ways were working. I mean, they hit a couple of shots, but I mean, Aiton was <laughs> he grabbed every single rebound within freaking sight in this game. Like, oh, oh my man. God. At some point, he had 20 rebounds, you know. He had 22. I don't know what he ended up with. 22. Uh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, the man is, he's he's something else. Like, he had four blocks as well. I saw at one point it was five, then they said four. I don't know. The point is, he, he blocked a ton of shots. He altered a fuck ton more. They let us play tonight, which I loved. Yeah, there was, I mean, I didn't like all the calls, but for the most part, I mean, there were really no, like, touchy like, oh, you grabbed them on the wrist. That's a foul. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did the results in the score. Like, you know, if you let them play, 
then this is kind of the game that results. If you make everyone stay five feet from each other, you know, that's how you get 130 to 125. You know what I mean? Like, right. And this game was just, I mean, I mean, this is just, we're reaching the point where, I mean, yeah, you, all of your schemes, everyone's getting into it on defense and mudding everything up and it just gets ugly and it's slugfest. And Scott Van Pelt said, like, you know, I hope you didn't bet the over. And man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bet the over like on this one. Yeah. Oh, well, man. on any, any deep series playoff game, I'm not betting the over. Like I would have been taken for a fool. I would have bet the over on this one. So yeah, I just, I wouldn't have, cause I just, I would have expected this kind of thing. Like it's just, this is. I mean, it's just been the last game was a slugfest. I expected another slugfest. The crazy thing is, like, it, we're up three one. This series has been insanely close, very close, like, very close scoring games. Like every everything has been. I think it's this is like the widest victory margin. Like we won the the valley oop was one point. Right. The the only the last game was really, you know, they won by a, a much that was the only game that really wasn't close. But our three wins have all been, you know, right there. And so like if you're the Clippers, I guess you're frustrated because it's like you've been in all these games and we weren't in game three. But like really truthfully, our heart wasn't in game three. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I felt like. Like it didn't feel to me like I don't know. Like it didn't felt like the sun showed up. That's what I'm hoping we see. I agree. And that's what I hope we see from the Clippers, you know, in the, in the next game. I, I hope that this, like you're saying, these games were so close. They fought so hard. They were hitting so many threes. You know, not this one, obviously. They, their offense was just not clicking tonight. But their defense was doing really good things. And with all that effort, they still came up short. So I'm just hoping hoping that they're demoralized at this point. I mean, I think you have to be. Like, I think especially, like, given the Valley Oop and everything that has occurred in this series, like, when you look at the way that Phoenix has just kind of taken it from them. Tonight it was free throws. One night it was an Alley Oop. You know, and, you know, you again, they have their one game, and it's like, you know, I mean, you know, I'm sure that Clippers people would look at this and say, oh, you know, these games have gotten away from us. And so I think that, even if you look at it and say, okay, well, we should theoretically be close to whatever, there's no way not to be demoralized by that. If you look at it and say, oh, we potentially could be 2-2 right now in multiple different situations and we blew all of those, like there's no way not to look at that negatively. It's hard not to, and that's why you have to have a good coaching staff. And hopefully, I mean, if, if you're Ty Lu, you're trying to communicate, well, we were so close to winning these games. So, you know, if, if we tweak a few things there. We, we, we can win a few games here. You know? And I, I think that that's what, you know, Tyloo is going to be able to make that speech. And I think it, it comes off well. But I always wonder, like, man, and it's maybe it's just because it's his knee and he just needs to sit the whole time. But it's like Kawhi's like up in his suite and he's just sitting there. And he like doesn't, I don't know, he doesn't interact with the team in the way that like, you know, Chris wasn't there, but they're like FaceTiming him the minute after the game. And what well, is bizarre? Why? I mean, just because his knee hurts, why isn't he sitting with the team? Like other people have sat with the team with the same injury, right? Or Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there have been times. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, Kawhi's a private guy. He's also not a rah-rah leader. So, you know, I don't know necessarily what having him on the bench would be there. But the thing is like when... The Clippers got Kawhi. You're basically looking at this situation. And you're like, okay, we got one of the best players in the world. And that's true. But what the Raptors had in their title season and what the Spurs had in their title season with Kawhi was vocal leaders outside of Kawhi. 
which, you know, he's just not. And I know that the Clippers have Rondo now and you got Marcus Morris and you got Reggie Jackson or whatever. You got guys who like to talk and like to be leaders or whatever. But, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not necessarily, you know, the best vocal leader dudes. And sometimes I kind of wonder, like, we've seen this Clippers team fall apart a little bit at times. Do they have, like, who's the leader? I don't know. Reggie Jackson? I, I don't know. Uh... And you know what? Like, I think, well, right. Yeah. See, that's the point, right? Like, and I mean, Reggie Jackson has certainly earned the, I mean, you know, with his play in these playoffs, he's certainly earned the right to, you know, be considered a vocal leader or whatever. I mean, he's been kicking ass, you know, he's been pretty amazing, but, um, that's weird. It is weird. Yeah. You would think you would look to your, your number one or number two. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I mean, with Kawhi out, it's like okay, Paul George needs to lead us, and in some ways, I mean, he does whole, seem like a leader in my in my opinion, in some respects. I feel like he's getting better at it. Um, I think that uh, it's one of those weird things. Like, I think when he was in Indiana early in his career, he was a pretty good, pretty vocal leader. I think that he had a good support system of dudes he liked. In the middle of his career, just went weird with the injury and the Oklahoma City stuff, and I don't know, like he's. But it seems like he's gotten a little back to who he was because he's talking to guys on the sidelines. and it, it, You know, the, the leader came out in game three for sure. Like that I saw. Yeah. I saw Paul George, the leader in game three, you know, doing things like hitting a half course shot and then like looking at the crowd, you know, and, yeah. and doing things like that. That's, th- that's something a leader does. You're talking about like a, a, a bench leader. I mean, not a bench leader, but on the sidelines. Yeah. Getting people going, but. Maybe he doesn't do that kind of thing. Well, but. you know, I mean, the thing is, is he, he did last game and truthfully in game one too, like in game one, he led by example on the court, obviously, like he was hitting yeah. everything. Game one was like game one will, is an all time game. Like it's one of the great games that we'll ever see is just Devin Booker and Paul George just dueling it up. Um, and no, I, I think you're right. I think he's been better, but I just wonder, I, I do wonder a little bit like, DeAndre Ayton's in everyone's ear all the time on defense. And Chris Paul's in everyone's ear all the time, all the time. And Devin Booker's just constantly yapping. And Mikhail Bridges is always listening. And Jay Crowder's always talking. And Cam Johnson's always listening. Like, it's just a good mix of dudes who are, you know, just constantly communicating. And I don't know that the Clippers have that same mix. Yeah, I don't think it runs as deep as the Suns. Right. I think there's a few here and there that have really special bonds on that team. Like, they're showing, like, Pete... You know, Paul George and, and Reggie Jackson, I guess, are really close friends. But I don't think everyone on the, on the Suns team seems to communicate really well. They don't take things personally when they're talking to each other on the court. You know, I just think, like Booker was saying, they built some kind of uh, community in the bubble. And they've kind of taken that on, you know. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, Paul and, uh, you know, Jay Crowder have really just been able to fit right in. And, you know, Tory Craig has kind of fit right into all that. And Abdel Nader really has fit right in. Um, but it, it does come from like, like Booker and Aiton have been together for years now. Yeah. And Booker, Aiton and Bridges have been together for years now. You know, Cam Johnson's been here. This is his second year now. Like, I know campaign's pretty new. You know, Paul's obviously new. Jay Crowder's new. Um, Sarge has been here a little bit now. You know, he's been here a couple years with Cam. Like, you know, there's <laughs> in the NBA these days, 
two, three years starts to be a really long time because rosters change over so much. And so when you have, you know, the young core, especially the young two, young three, if you want to include Mikhail, have been together for three years, you're like, holy shit, man. Like they're really starting to grow. And this is the year where it just exploded because you added Chris Paul and, and Jay Crowder. And I think you're right. I, I don't think that they have, I don't think that Clippers have like the same level because like to some, in some ways like this, like, okay. Like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard wanted to play together. So fair enough. And they did. And, you know, there was some like consternation between, you know, the, the good group that the Clippers had already built, like Pat Beverly and Montrez Harrell, you know, didn't really like some of those things so that ends up with Harrell leaving. And I don't know, you know, where Pat Beverly is in terms of like, you know, he is a constant talker, like he's a vocal leader, but I don't know that everyone wants to hear it from your like sometimes playing guard who's been so bad at times that he can't even be on the court. Like, I don't know how much people want to listen to that. And then you bring Rondo in, but then you made the point. Rondo, did he, he did not play. He didn't get any minutes. Today. Zero minutes. Zero. Yeah. So it's like you bring in Rondo. You're like, oh, we need a leader. We need a playoff veteran. We need this, that, and the other. And then you don't even play him. And I kind of think that truthfully, because the Clippers are down to like an eight man rotation at this point. And I think they've kind of been like, we are going to play a Pat Bev or Rondo. We're not going to play both. And I think they decided Pat Bev was better on Booker. Yeah. But I don't, they're not the same kind of player. Like, yes, they're both defenders or whatever, but Rondo is like a much better offensive orchestrator. Don't you think Rondo would have been super helpful to them in a game like this when like they couldn't score at all yes. with like 20 chances to take the lead? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I do. I mean, he's been a huge fan, like not a huge factor, but he's been a, a factor in, in their success against us. And he, was, and he was the third or fourth best player on the Lakers last year when they won the title. Yeah. Like, there's no denying that. He's he's just better in the playoffs when the game is played in the half court. And Ab- I'm yeah. Abdul Nader got more minutes than him in yeah. the Western Conference final game. Yeah. Than Rondo. That, that, that says a lot. And truthfully, like, Nader wasn't perfect. He made a couple of plays. He was a minus, right? He was Abdul a, Nader? Yeah. Was a plus minus? Uh, he or? was minus four. Minus four. So net negative in his minutes on the court. But, you know, he still flies around. He plays defense. He does his thing. I just think this is a prime example of a game where the Clippers should have played Rajon Rondo. I just, this is what I think. Because especially in the second half, you've missed 20 fucking shots in a row. Nothing's going your way. You can't get a bucket. You know, the crazy thing is like, is like the first quarter, they were okay. The second quarter was a disaster for them. It was. They, they were like awful. And then again, the fourth quarter was a disaster for them. They really, they've been thriving on these big third quarter runs and it just never came today. And that's our defense, I think. You know, that's, I think that's the Suns defense all, all in all. And the fact that they were never able to take the lead in the third, I think, was a huge, and that as Scott was talking about on ESPN afterwards, the fact that they were just never able to take the lead, even after such a huge third quarter, was so demoralizing for them, I believe. Because I, I feel like, because you're like right there right. and you're in the middle of a huge run and you just can't get it. And then they come back in the playoffs and they have like, what was it? They said 12 chances to take the lead. 12. Yeah. 12, 12, shots. 12 yeah. opportunities to take a lead and they missed every single one of those shots. And that's just an unbelievable number. Like you just, it's like when the Rockets went, you know, one for 27 against the Warriors or whatever. And it's just like. You've got to make something. Right. And they just couldn't do it. Like, 
I mean, yeah. good for them, but we, you know, the Suns were also breaking everything at the other end. So not to, not to, you know, oh, the Clippers, blah, blah, blah. The Suns also breaked everything on the other side. So it was just a, there was like a four minute period of just no points. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember some, witnessing something like that. You know, I'm sure it's happened, obviously. I'm sure it happens all the time, but it's I just, can't remember well, something it, like that. The playoffs just haven't been like this. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so defensive. Yeah. Yeah. This is what it was like for me. You watch some of these games in the 90s and the early 2000s, like the 2007 finals between the Cavs and the Spurs. It's like 87, 86, 77, 72. You know, it's games like this. Yeah. And it's just like they were slogs. And the crazy thing is I'm, I'm watching this game and my heart is fucking pounding. I know. Like it's 145, 144, you know. And, oh, man, this game was like. Rough. I, I don't. But you, a win is a win. A win is a win. I don't fucking care how. I just care that it happened. I don't need 130 points or whatever. You know, and for a game to be exciting, apparently you don't even need that. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when it comes down to those final minutes, it doesn't matter what happened in the previous, you know, 45 minutes because it's just, it's a tied game. And if it was tied at a billion or tied at two, it's still a tied game. Yeah. And, you know, maybe how you feel about certain individual plays or whatever, like towards the end, there was that one situation where Pat Bev shot a corner three and I was like, oh, thank God. That's who we want taking that. Right. And, you know, we should have been able to extend the lead from there. But the point is like, we, we just kept working them and kept working them and put them in spots where you have to have Pat Bev shoot it or, you know, I mean, Batum's been good, but still you want Batum shooting more than you want Reggie Jackson shooting. Like these things are just true. Mm-hmm. You know, Reggie Jackson has been awesome. You want to take the ball out of his hands. And we were able to do that in a lot of situations, just enough. Get the win. I agree. You know, and the crowd didn't seem that involved tonight. You know, I, I didn't really think that they were a factor. I didn't hear, you know, maybe this is coming into the play the whole you know, capacity thing. I don't know if they're allowing more people in now or what, but like I could not hear them chanting, chanting defense, like in the fourth. That that doesn't. I can't remember hearing that. I I just our crowd is so much better right now. I mean, they and that's the crazy thing is they definitely do have more people because like they still had cardboard cutouts during the Jazz series for some of those games. So like I don't know if the entire audience was cardboard cutouts, but I just mean you could see tons of them in the audience on TV, and so. They definitely have a ton more people. And yeah, our crowd is just better. I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, is that they're just not a lot of like diehard Clipper fans. A lot of these people are Lakers fans who are just showing up or people who don't care, who are casually suddenly interested. The sun, this is a sun's town. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is a sun city. And we always knew that when the suns came back, that they would be, the crowd would be electric again. And this is exactly what has happened. And, you know, we knew this would happen. And it's like, Hey, Sarver, man, look, see, We'll fill the arena when the team is good, and then you make tons of money, and the cost of tickets goes up, and you're, you're happy. Everyone's happy. Just spend the money, you know? Spend yeah. the money. And this is what happens when you spend the money. You win. And here we are. Shout out to anyone who wants to buy me a ticket to a Suns game. <laughs> you're, you're promoting yourself. You're pimping yourself out on my show now. Is that what's going on? No. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. You do yeah. your thing, man. Yeah, you. You. You have... You have friend of the show status, best friend of the show status, best friend of my life status. So you can just do whatever you want. You promote your thing. Even if your thing is literally you having sex with an old woman to get tickets. 
Well, I will do that for us. Oh, I know. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. I would also do that yeah. for us. I feel like I would get in slightly more trouble. I'd have <laughs> sex with an old man for tickets. <laughs> this is the dedication yeah. that there is on this podcast yeah. to seeing the Suns in the Western Conference yeah. Finals. Maybe yeah. we should just <laughs> spend money, but I don't know. But, who, you know, hey. You know. What is money compared to sex with old people? Like, we all know what we'd prefer. Uh, <laughs> so, we're we're off track. Just the way I like it, though. One thing I did find interesting was when Booker just basically like took his mask off. Yeah, it's like fuck this, I'm done. Yeah, you know. Will we see the mask again? I think he said in the post game that he probably intended to start with it again. So I think yeah, but I mean clearly he won't hesitate to take it off if it's bugging him. I mean, he even said he said what he said. He said I can have surgery again. Like this is the Western Conference Finals. That dude is so tough, man. Uh, yeah, he's a kid. And he's just like so tough. It's ridiculous. I know that just his composure. He seems so much more mature, you know, than, than his age. What would you say to fans who are like are worried about a shooting percentage since you know the injury? I mean, I don't worry about anything like that at all. In the playoffs, like literally, the only thing that matters are wins. I do not care about shooting percentages rebounding stats none of that shit matters like if you lose it's absolutely fine to dig through those things and say okay like this is why we lost because x y and z but when you win it's a process over results thing i think you look at like what went well what went wrong how to fix it and i just don't concern myself with like the dude got hit in the face of course he might struggle a bit like you can't be concerned with that and i know that some people are are you know you see some fans some Suns fans going crazy but I don't worry about that at all do you think he's fouling too much yeah I worry way more about his temperament than I do his shooting percentage like he is a little bit of a I mean I don't want to use the term hothead because I don't think that he has like you know like anger problems or something I think that he gets heated and he gets a little bit like, you know, dudes touch him and he slaps their arms off or, you know, I think he just gets a little bit. Um, now, do you think those are all do you think he's getting heated to the point where he's out of control or do you think those are calculated moves that he knows? You mean he won't get thrown out if he does certain things. You mean calculated by him or by other guys to try to piss him no, off by him? Like, you know, he knows he can throw a, an elbow right there and get a T or. I think he knows that he's at the point where he can tell dudes to fuck off and push them off him a little bit. And because I mean, you know, he does get a little bit of leeway. He talks to the refs quite a bit. He, you know, he barks, he pushes off dudes a little bit. I, I do think there's a little bit of he knows like, hey, I can do this. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I do also think part of it is like other dudes are trying to piss him off. They're like baiting him on purpose. And, you know, in some cases he falls for it and he just needs to do a better job of like, yeah, Pat Beverly's really annoying, but you just can't slap him on a drive to the rim because you're mad at him. Like you, you just, you know, he even said after the game, like I got to stop the dumb fouls, and it's true, he just does. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's just one of the biggest things that, like, you know, you know, young superstars make mistakes. And in Devin Booker's defense, it's like you know, people are like, oh, blah 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 blah, blah all these things. It's like, dude, he's 24 years old. Like this is incredible that this kid is at this level and like playing clutch moments in a Western conference finals. Like it's not as if he's the first person to ever do it. I understand that. I'm just saying like what he's doing right now, being the leader of a team, you know, it's, 
maybe Chris Paul's the leader, or whatever, but he's still the best, you know, the young superstar face of the team. You know, it's Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. You know what I mean? And what he's doing at this point is incredible, especially when, yeah, I mean, he gets a, his broken nose. He still comes back on the court. The next game, he's wearing a mask. And he rips the mask off and says, fuck it, I'll play without it. Like, you know, everything he's doing is awesome. And he's going to a new level. And it's like, you just got to calm yourself down a little bit, you know. Because the thing is, you, you stop a couple of those little anger fouls, you know, suddenly this game's a little different, you know. I mean, when these games are decided by two, three points and you are, you know, making decisions that cost your team two and three points here, you can really affect things. And the smartest thing Devin can do at times is just chill it out. And I think he knows. He's Again, he's 24. We can't expect him to be perfect. And you know what? If at the end of the day, him slapping dudes around a little bit and pushing guys off and shoving them into the ground and shit is what it takes for him to win, then fuck it. Because we're up 3-1, so I'm not worried about it too much. Yeah, so far it's working. I mean, despite the low off, you know, score. I mean, I think we're built for to play through our defense. So, you know, I don't worry about 84 to 80. Like, that score means nothing to me. Like, I, I'm not concerned about that at all because I'm worried about the defense. And this is another thing. The defense in this game was awesome. Like, the rotations, did you did you feel like our defense was playing way harder? Like, the rotations were tighter than game three? Yes. Like, like everything was far more like... And and Aiton on the rebounding was just insane. Yes. And, and, our, and our team rebounding in general was just much better. We we still allowed a couple of, of offensive rebounds here and there, but there were fewer of those sequences where, like, they shoot a three and get the long rebound, and then Pat Bev shoots a floater and gets his own rebound, then shoots it out to Batum, you know what I mean? Like, And there were so many of those instances in Game 3 where they just kept getting rebounds. And this game, there were a couple of those, but for the most part, like I, th- I think we handled business. And, yeah, Aiton was like... He came into this game like focused on ending possessions with rebounds. Because I mean, 22 rebounds, there's no way to say that wasn't a huge factor. I know that we go back and forth on, on how important rebounds are. In a game like this, rebounds are everything. Yeah. And his blocks, I mean, and he's all over the place. He's, you know, he. there were a couple of times he got blown by. And I mean, yeah, he's not perfect. But I mean, I don't. <laughs> you said he played 41 minutes? Yeah. Right? Yeah. He and Paul George both played 41. 40, minutes, yeah. Right? Like 40, he was like 41, 16, something like that, and Paul George was... And you said Dario only played like six minutes and change, right? Yeah, something like that. And see, this was so crazy to me, because like watching that game live, I so felt like Dario played a long time. I, I, I don't know what... <laughs> And maybe I'm just at this point conditioned to like any minute Aiton's not on the floor. I'm just like time slows down and I'm just freaking out. But how are you feeling about our bench in general this series? Well, I mean, I feel like this is the shortest our bench has ever been. Yeah, I feel like we're not really using the bench for that many minutes right now. I mean, we talked about the whole. Okay, so Abdel Nader hasn't played for months. And then he comes in and he instantly jumps Tory Craig and everyone else. And he was playing ahead of these people before, but it's just interesting. He's been out three months. Suddenly he's back. He's in. He played five minutes. Dario played six minutes. Booker fouled out. Paul and, you know, but it's basically like Chris Paul, Campaign, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Dario, DeAndre Ayton, and then. Someone from the group of Etwan Moore, Tory Craig, and Abdel Nader are going to get or Abdul Nader are going to get minutes. Like it's, I don't know. Like 
I still believe in our bench, but it seems like Monty is definitely believing in shortening it up right now. Mm-hmm. I agree. Maybe something you said something about the eight man rotation from the Clippers. I don't know if he's trying to match that or yeah. The Clippers have the Clippers have definitely like settled in because they're playing. You know, they're playing basically at this point. They're playing Pat Beverly. They're playing Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Marcus Morris, Evita Zubac. Then you know they're playing Terrence Mann, Nicholas Batum, and then Luke Kennard, and that's basically who they're playing because we talked about Rondo has been cut out at this point. Cousins played a minute or two at the end of the game, like for rebounding, not like a real rotation though. Um, they've basically settled in and it does feel like we, like we have just basically decided when they go small, we're playing with Dario. When they go big, we're playing with Aiton against Zubach. And, it is interesting, like, everyone on the radio in Phoenix, like, Gambo was complaining, everyone was complaining about how long the Suns would sit DeAndre Ayton. Like, in Game 3, you have these, like, things where it's, like, seven, eight minutes in a row without DeAndre. Well, that didn't happen tonight. I mean, 41 minutes is, is big time. Yeah. And he's basically, he played the most minutes of the team. Yeah, and he's basically at the point where he matches Paul George because, you know, they're both playing 41 minutes. I know their minutes didn't match exactly, but I'm just saying, like, that's... That's kind of it, you know, the level where they're at, especially when, you know, Booker fouls out with a minute left. You have the opportunity to blow that game. And they just really did it. I mean, it just it speaks to how good this team is. There's no one bad. There are no bad players on this team. There are no black holes on this team. And I don't know if the Clippers have any black holes either. And they're definitely a good matchup for us. But we're a nightmare matchup for them, too. Of all the teams they could have played, we're the one team that can really play with them when they go small. You know, Batum has barely played at center in this series. Like, it's he's been... And he's been pretty effective when he's out there. He's been all right, but they haven't gone... They've been playing with Zubac a lot. Yeah. Which, you know, they don't... A lot of times they go small for the entire second half. Like, they did that against the Jazz a couple of times. They played small, like, for these super long stretches. And, I mean, to be fair, like, Zubac has played pretty well. Yes, he outplayed last game. He outplayed Aiden. Yeah. Today, Aiden outplayed him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Last game, Zubach was pretty awesome. And Aiden, Aiden just had everyone on the Suns had a bad game last game. There's really no other way to describe it. But Zubach, especially last game, was really good. That's one of the best games I've ever seen him play, just to be completely honest. And this game today, Aiden just did everything right. I mean, Zubach got a couple of rebounds here and there you know he got a cut i mean you're never you're never gonna play anything perfectly but you know you just remember deandre ayton's 22 and it's just unbelievable like what's to come with this team you know what i mean yeah you know i will say i i am happy to see nader back and healthy it was cool i know he didn't make a huge impact on the game but it was it's it's nice seeing a teammate come back I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? I think it's always good for the energy when a dude comes back because they love him. Like, they trust him. No one on the Suns roster is mad that he's out there playing. You know, I think that this team, everyone has had their moment where they got yanked. Like, Kaminsky was playing for a while, then he got pulled. Crowder got pulled from the starting lineup for a while. Bridges was out of the starting lineup for a while. And, you know, Cam was in for him, I believe. Like, they've done, they've, they've shook it up in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, Dario again was closing games for a while, right? When we didn't have trust in Aiton, like the rotations have shifted all year and no one has complained. And I just think you've got a good group of guys who understand when it is my moment, I need to step up and I need to not bitch about 
enough moments. So, so do you think Monty is locked in on his choices right now? Like, is there anything Kaminsky can do in practice to get minutes at this point, or is this is these are the lineups? Are they, what do you think? No, Monty will change. Okay. The thing is. Monty may look at this and say, yeah, I've got my favorite guys. These are the guy I trusted down the stretch of this series. So these are my core eight or whatever. But, you know, he didn't trust Dario against the Lakers series. And he went with Kaminsky down the stretch. And then he went right back to Dario. So he's always going to look at a series based on matchups and make those choices. And he's never going to be completely locked into anything to the point that he won't even look at anything else. I do wish that... You know, he had played Javon Carter, but, you know, the simple fact that he played Abdul Nader in this game instead of, you know, giving any minutes to Tory Craig or Etwan Moore or whatever certainly shows that he's willing to make adjustments. He hasn't necessarily made the adjustments we've wanted, but he has certainly made adjustments. Um, as far as Kaminsky specifically goes, I don't know. I think if we play the Hawks, I think that Kaminsky becomes much more valuable because the Hawks don't have a ton of you know, super big guys. Uh, I mean, they've got like Capella and then a lot of other small-ish centers. So he may be better in that series than Dario. You know, again, maybe he just likes Dario and Kaminsky doesn't play. But I do definitely think that Monty is going to like, he'll reconsider the rotations at the beginning of every series. So what do you think? uh, Okay, that that makes sense. So what do you think is uh, we're going to do for the next game? I mean, I think the biggest thing about the next game is now you get to play at home. So you're going to assume that obviously your role players are going to shoot a little better. You get, you know, the roar of the crowd. Some of those foul calls are not going to go against you just because, you know, at home officiating is a little bit different. I think the biggest thing, I think the sun should look to run a little more. I know I've said this a few times, but I think that the Clippers have done a really good job when everything is you know, played in the mud and played only in the half court. And I really think that the sun should look to run and just get out. And, you know, especially when it's campaign and not Chris Paul, I really would love to see cam get out and run a little more. We're really not running in transition at all. We're getting our rebound and then we're stopping and we're setting up. And I understand that it's difficult to generate transition against, you know, good defenses. Sometimes they're trapping full court and everything, but man, there should be some situations where we're getting out and running. These last two games, we basically have not run at all. And I really think that when you're home, when you've got that environment, we are faster than them. We have more depth than them. We have more energy than them. We're in a better situation than them. We're happier than them. Sure. They're going to be playing with desperation, but I think that we should be playing with, fun and happiness and i think that includes running yeah i agree so you think we'll come out running on monday i don't know if we will i think that we should um chris paul won't i don't think that chris paul is ever going to try to play transition basketball so i don't expect anything really in terms of you know when chris paul is on the court but when he sits for you know anywhere from, you know, 15 to six minutes or six to 15 minutes, however it is, just however many or how few and campaign alone is out there. I really, really think the sun should look to run because if you can generate, if you could generate like 20 fast break points, you will win this game because there's just been so little transition basketball throughout this entire series. If you can generate it, it's the series is over because 
So many times this season, the Suns will go on runs where they get a stop, throw the ball up court, you know, a couple of passes around, find the wide open man in the corner, boom. And so much of that is lost when you only play in the half court and you only start in 16 seconds and you only run the high pick and roll at the three-point line. Like, we have got to get out and run a little bit. And my hope is just that at least in the campaign minutes, we're going to be flying up and down the court. I just think especially at home, you should take advantage of that ability because the Clippers are not going to be able to do that. And if we can add fast break points to the repertoire off a couple of good defensive stops, we might be able to break them early. I say do it. Yeah. I just Chris Paul is just not going to run. It's just not in his DNA. He doesn't want to play that way. And that's fine. But then let's get campaign 10 minutes to run the show and just let him fly. Because I just really believe this team is fucking good when we play hyper-aggressive defense and then run down the court and try to get a set three before the defense is ready. We we killed playing that way in the bubble. I know we didn't have Chris Paul. We had Rubio. I understand. But that doesn't mean that we can't play that way in two five-minute shifts when Chris Paul sits. So who do you run with that? You could run. I mean, it has to have Cam Johnson. It should have Dario, probably. That should probably be when Aiton sits. So, like, I would match Paul and Aiton and have them sit, like, for a five-minute stretch at the beginning of the second quarter. And I would have, like, campaign. You could have Booker. Or you could have, like, campaign Mikhail Bridges and um, uh, Cam Johnson. You can either have Tory Craig or Jay Crowder based on how the fouling and the first round rotations went, and then again Dario. You can again you can swap out you know Booker. This is the thing about the Suns too, by the way. You have so many choices. Like yeah. it's like, do I want to play Nader or Craig or Crowder or Bridges or Johnson or Booker? There are a lot of fucking wings. I just named six goddamn players. Swiss Army knife. Exactly, and so I think you have a lot of options, but I want campaign and Dario. To run the offense they ran in the bubble for five minutes, twice a game. That's all I'm saying. And if it doesn't work the first time, don't do it again. I understand that. But the Clippers are just not built to run. They're built to run their little crazy half-court offense until they generate threes. And they're very good at it. But let's get them out of the mud and make them play at our pace. And make them continue to jack up, pull up shots and transition. Because, like, look at, you know, Paul George didn't really play well in this game. A lot of his shots came in. You know, really early in the sequence, he's like running a high pick and roll and then jacking up a triple. And it's like, that's what we want you to do. We don't really want you to, you know, get a clean look because Paul George is not necessarily a great off the bounce out of the pick and roll three point shooter. He's okay, but, you know, they got some other looks, but we forced most of them to their bad shooters. And I just think for five minutes a game, run them into the ground because they're not built for it. They're just not. And maybe they can run a little bit better with. You know, Evita Zubac off the floor, but dude, like Batum is not fast and you and Dario can still post him. And I just think, I just really think there's a lot to be said about saying, Hey, for five minutes a game, we're going to complete a completely fucking different brand of basketball and we're going to fuck with them Yeah, for these five minutes. It would throw them for a loop. At least they, they haven't seen it so far this series. Exactly. A great time to try it would be at home. You know, with our crowd. When you're preparing to close the series out. Yeah. Because the thing is, if it works to start the second quarter, you start to build a lead. And if you do it again in the fourth quarter, maybe you break them and the series is just over. 
And I just, maybe you find a way to run it more at the end of the third of the be- instead of the beginning of the fourth. But the point is, like, it's worked successfully many times this season. And there's no reason to just abandon the idea. Okay, it's like the whole, you don't just throw away the two-minute offense, right? Right. You don't run it every time. But when you need it, you run it. And I'm just saying the Suns should run a two-minute version of their super fast offense or a three, four-minute version. I just think that's a really good way to change this game and close this series out before facing the Hawks or Bucks, whoever it may be. So um, speaking about that, like how we haven't done that yet, do you think Monty is holding back anything? Or do you think he's all the cards are on the table, He's all, you know, he, he's pulled all the moves, or do you think he still has things up his sleeve? I think they've pretty much put everything on the table that they have right now because you prepared for the Clippers. Uh And so everything you have prepared for the Clippers is on the table. Every single thing that you think of. The one thing that they have not deployed that they might be saving for the finals is DeAndre hasn't guarded Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. If the Bucs are in the finals, DeAndre's guarding Giannis. So that is something that uh, may be... You know, they go, I mean, they're not keeping that under wraps, though. Like, we've seen DeAndre Guardianis multiple times. Right. So I just don't really, I don't know if that's shocking. You know, everyone knows what you do to, you know, stop Giannis is put a really good defensive center on him. Well, here you go. Um, I think, I think there will definitely be new wrinkles, but I think that will be based on the fact that we'll be seeing a new opponent. Okay. So, like, everything is on the table, yes, but the chance for something new still exists because, you know, none of this stuff is scheme for the Hawks or Bucks. Monty and Willie Green and the entire Suns coaching staff, everything they do is about this series. And I think that's the most important thing is you can't sit here and be like, well, this is what we do and we won't deviate. You know, you have to say, this is what we're going to do for this opponent. And that's what they do. And I think that they will do that for the finals, assuming that we can get through this game five. So what do you think game five is going to be like you think it's going to be another score low scoring game like this one or you think it'll be closer to the first couple games or i think the clippers are going to try to make it a really low scoring game and i think that that's their focus is to get in the mud and again you know play that level and i think the suns have to get away from that i think the suns will score more i think the suns will eclipse 100 points in this game i don't know that it's going to be a you know your regular you know you know, 115, 110 kind of thing. But I think, you know, a 101.95 or 101.90 or 101.85, hopefully. I think this game will be a little bit high scoring because I think it's going to be really, really hard to keep the Suns from scoring in this arena with this crowd in this situation. Like, I think it's going to be pretty hard to just control the game in that way like the Clippers have. Yeah, you did it two games in a row in your arena. Let's go back home and see what happens. And I think that... You know, the Suns still did their job and split. So, you know, like you, they did their job. They won their first two home games. Then they did their job. They went on the road and split. Like, that's literally how you win a playoff series. Yeah. And now, you, you, you know, now you have three opportunities to win with the one in front of you really being a big-time potential because, like you said, the Clippers have got to be demoralized right now. Do you think Chris Paul... I, I agree. I, I I still think they're going to be demoralized. I mean, how can you not be? I mean, they got some really resilient people on there, obviously. We've seen what they've come back from. But it, this one's got to hurt, you know, home court. Um, Chris Paul, do you think he starts hitting his shots? Yeah. Five? I, I, think, I think, you know, he's still got to get himself back in shape a little bit. 
you take 11 days off, you know, you can't, it's not, it's never going to be the same. So I think he'll be fine. Um, if not by game five, I think he'll be fine by the finals. You know, I think Booker is really got to hit his shots in game five and Chris Paul can still just run the offense and play quarterback. Um, I'm more concerned about Booker uh, in terms of getting his shots, right? Because Chris Paul still hit several mid-rangers. He missed a couple, but everyone was missing everything in this game. I feel like Chris is going to be fine, especially he looked, he still looked better to me this game than he did last game. So he looked like he was moving a little better. Um, so I think he'll be fine. I'm more worried about Booker figuring out you want to play with or without the mask. Is he in some kind of pain? I worry a little bit more about that, but I think everything will be right. The biggest thing will be, you know, is Kawhi Leonard back? Probably not. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he gave it a go. I hope he doesn't. Not for the sake of, like, I I, I want him to be healthy. Like, I don't want him to, like, fuck up his knee and miss another season. Like, I hate injuries so much. I wish Kawhi Leonard was healthy for this series and Chris Paul was healthy so that we could just have, you know, a full-on best of the best Western Conference Finals. But in this case, I hope that Kawhi just, if he's not healthy, don't play. If he is healthy, I hope he plays. You know, so. If he does play, how do we switch things up or what what happens well i think that you know you have to test him on defense um you know you have to go at him a little bit when you normally wouldn't um but i think you know i mean i think i think you just play him like he's Kawhi leonard you know we're gonna put a good defender on him we're gonna you know try to prevent him from shooting and you know maybe he has a really bad shooting night i again i don't know that like, I don't know that this is the time for Kawhi Leonard to try to come back. We don't know the severity of his injury. You just, you don't know the situation. And I don't know. It's just one of those things. If he's healthy, I hope he plays. And I think you just treat him like he's Kawhi Leonard. Maybe you test him a little bit more, but you know, on, you just treat him like he's Kawhi. You don't try to dunk on him. You know, you don't, um, you don't dribble the ball around him. You know, you just, you know, you try to get away from him and don't let him be any sort of a force. And you just basically bet that, hey, you know, he hasn't played in a while. He's probably not going to be able to be an elite shooter tonight. So if we can get in his face a little bit, we're going to be able to make him miss shots and probably be able to win the game. I mean, you know, Chris Paul was almost a net negative in game four. Um, you know, he, he was really not that good. Nobody was really good for the Suns in that game. And a lot of guys are not good in their first game back and that could be a problematic situation for the Clippers. So they might be better off rolling with the eight they have right now, just in terms of the chemistry and health that they do have. I mean, it's hard to say no to Kawhi Leonard. I just, you know, again, we've no clue what his knee situation is. So it's just tough to say. So, you know, say the Suns go on to win this series, you know, what do the Clippers do? Like in the off season? Yeah. That all depends on what Kawhi does. For, for sure, for sure. Like if he picks up his option, then you just kind of roll, run it back. If Kawhi opts out and takes a five-year deal or something, then you look at longer-term moves. Um, and if Kawhi leaves, then you shoot yourself because you traded the entire future and flamed out. Ah, It's pretty much that simple. <clears throat> So, I mean, I don't know that Steve Ballmer would ever shoot himself, but he might just implode right there on the court. Did you see him when Paul George missed those that free throw, like, down the stretch? Like, he, he like, man, it, it was, that was high, high entertainment when Steve Ballmer sitting there cheering all game and then Paul George misses a free throw and Steve Ballmer drops his head into his lap. 
like Paul George just stabbed his mother. Like, it's like that had to make Paul George feel good about that next free throw, bro. Like, you're literally <laughs> right in his eye vision. Like, good job, man. Like, uh, I know we're all supposed to say that NBA players are, you know, immune to everything and they don't notice everything. They're human, dude. They see shit. And yeah, it just, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad it happened, right? Fuck Steve Ballmer yeah. and fuck the Clippers and fuck Paul George. I'm just saying, like, it was it was a pretty funny moment. I'm sure it will be memed forever. Everything is or memed forever. Everything is fucking memed forever at this point. They're yeah. But hey, fuck the Clippers. Fuck the Clippers. One more win. One more win. That's it. And then we need four more. And then we need four more. So Suns and five at this point. Suns and five. Suns and five. Suns and five in both ways. Yeah. In this series and and also to the finals. Yeah. Because that'll be Suns and four. Five more wins. Yeah, exactly. I wonder who it's going to be between Bucks Hawks. I never would have thought that the Hawks would have had a chance, but you just never know. It's you know, probably going to be the Bucks. My gut is still the Bucks. I think so. That's going to be a tough matchup. When when that comes, we'll have to like sit down and go over every single thing because there's so much to go over how the Suns would defend Giannis and all that. But for now, there's no need to be upset. It is time to have a drink and smoke and enjoy the Suns winning. Yes. And yes. a jalapeno burger. A jalapeno burger. Jalapeno burger, yeah. That sounds like the the way to go. Uh, I'm excited. If we do face the Bucks, I'm happy because we saw us versus the Bucks without Chris Paul and we beat their ass. You know, so I think we match up well against We them. have the ability to beat that team. Yeah. We we have historically played well against Giannis, and I don't think that there's any reason that that Monty Williams can't outcoach Mike Budenholzer. He definitely fucking can. He's a way better coach, and I don't think that there's any reason that the Suns can't win that series. And that is the Bun Doctor Show. One hell of a Saturday night. Thank you, Keith, for coming into the hot-ass studio, as it is now officially known, and partying with me. And by party, I mean talking about basketball like nerds. Yeah. That's my party now. That's Mm -hmm. how I party, because I'm getting older. So, And, uh... Go Suns. Love the people around you. Yeah. Unless they're Clippers fans, then tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. And then after the series, you can love them again. It's like, love people in real life, hate them in sports season. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. You know what I mean. Peace.